0: Welcome back to the season three finale of the Line to Game podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon here, as always, with Mike Parker. Mike, how you doing, man?
1: The big game uh, has ended, and we have a victor. And it is the Kansas City Chiefs. It was fun. It was, uh, you know, um, I enjoyed it.
0: Um, I, yeah, I'm I'm so glad Kansas City won just because of my. Seattle fandom wouldn't let me root for the San Francisco 49ers, but
1: turned out Yeah, we mentioned we mentioned uh like you were starting to get a little nervous there towards the fourth quarter and you started to get real quiet. And then I asked I asked um somebody in the house like, Here, what's your what's your aura look like? You know? And she said, what, white and yellow? And I'm not sure what that means, but definitely there was a you had a little a little thing going there for a little bit but yeah. ultimately uh, I think the game went as both of us uh, would have preferred so yeah um
0: I was you know it was such a tale of two halves I mean
1: it really was well before we get into the game itself okay, let's just no, go sorry, through the sorry. degenerate corner stuff yeah um I assume you had KC money line or did you take points on I that? just
0: I wasn't picking points in any I just had a okay
1: okay yeah, I took I, the money line was good enough for me at plus 110. Um, I ended up, uh, I I put $500, fake dollars down on this one uh, and uh, pay out of a thousand fifty. So well, that hey, leaves you know me. What, you know what
0: I did? I bet a um, hundred, or I, sorry, I had that, I got them at plus 110 also on the money line. I bet a million dollars. So. um um, oh you
1: just recovered all your stuff yeah i'm
0: back in the back i kept
1: it i kept it reasonable but as as the uh as the games kept going on i kept you know i said i'm gonna spend a thousand dollars this round or whatever so right um but anyways it gets me up about 2300 on the season i felt good about that like legitimate you know bets not trying to pad stats or anything but um Anyways, uh, let's move on to that game as you were uh, happy to jump into. So overall, what are your thoughts of this game? Do you think it was an exciting game?
0: Um, I mean, a a Super Bowl ending in overtime with only three seconds left, I feel like. There's no way that can't end up being an exciting game. I think it would start. I think the first hour and a half or two hours. I know we both listened to the Bill Simmons podcast and they they kind of made a reference to this. The first hour and a half or two hours of of the game were just so dull and like slow. And anytime a big play would happen, then a turnover would happen. Um Yeah, just, the
1: first half was only 10 7, right? So there wasn't a you know, lot of 10-3. activity. That's uh, what I meant. 10-3, yeah, 10-3, sorry, you're right. And um, there wasn't a whole lot of action, for sure, a lot of punts. Um, so you mentioned turnovers. There were a couple of turnovers in in this game, and it could have been worse. Um, there was probably two that were dropped and a couple of fumbles that were actually recovered by, I think the Chiefs fumbled it and and, and then pick, were able to pick it up well, uh, to keep the drive going.
0: And that first Chiefs turnover um, with – Isaiah Pacheco, Pacheco. the ball. Um, then they, we we almost had another major loss because Andy Reid almost had a heart attack when uh, when Travis Kelsey came up and started screaming at him because he wasn't in the game when uh, when that play happened. So that that wasn't. Well, great.
1: Let's let's. Uh, I'm going to take a note. Travis Kelsey. We'll talk about what your thoughts are on that move and all that kind of other stuff. So um, yeah. So let's parking lot that for a moment. So overall, you saw just because of the second half, you're like, this was an exciting game. I think I felt the same way. A um, lot of scoring in the second half, not like big touchdowns or anything, but it was very tight. I felt like the game didn't really have momentum at any time. Right. A lot of times in these games, you like it's, let's just look at. Detroit versus uh, 49ers in the conference championship game. It was a game of momentum swings, right? So the first half, go 28 points. Uh, second half, everything gets shut down. The momentum is an absolute swing going the other way. They, they dropped a couple of fourth down passes. All that momentum, all that air uh, in the arena that the, um, the Lions had evaporated, right? we didn't see any major swings in this particular game. Um, Did you see any, anything? I mean, there were moments that I think changed the trajectory of the game. Uh, For example, when um, Pat Mahomes was out, he was the leading rusher for the, uh, for the chiefs in the super bowl, 66 yards. And there was a couple of huge runs where he got some first downs and really seemed to set the tone for the game. So for example, remember that short run he had where he took on the cornerback, yeah. and got a first down uh, on a scramble. Um, I think that's a momentum changer. Big, you know, a, a first down, um, t- you know, hits the defender on your sideline. Everyone's amped up. You know, that happened in the second half. Um, that started to change a little momentum. Get get uh, the Chiefs, I feel, in a, a little groove. And the second one that we had uh, was that a long run that he had, uh, with the, um, the RPO, um, where he kind of faked the, um, the dive and then took it around the tight end and what ran for like 30 yards. And the thing that he also does that uh, you hardly ever see, he didn't slide on that run. He took the hit again. So you can see he's changing the way he's playing the game to a certain extent. Uh, in order to raise to the level and urgency of the game. I thought that was a, a huge play and just having him having that mentality was, um, was key in this game.
0: Yeah. It really feels like Patrick Mahomes has mastered the art of not doing too much, always taking what's there. Um, even with, you know, like they rave about his arm angles and all these things and it's like, he only does that when he, when it, when it's necessary, right? Like he's not out there trying to do weird sidearm slinging the ball around. He's just, he does what needs to be done. Like the, yeah. Like the, the running, the, his runs in that game were, I don't think he likes running. I don't think he, he's not like a particularly mobile quarterback. You know, I think he can get, get you a few yards here and there for the, generally speaking. I mean, you're not thinking of him as a, as leading Kansas city in rushing ever. Right.
1: Right. He obviously scrambles mostly uh, to keep the drive alive uh, on that particular RPO. It was definitely uh, an option. It was a read option. So depending on what the defense did, especially uh 97 Nick Bosa, depending on uh, what he was going to do, if he stays with the quarterback, he hands it off on the dive. If um, you know, Bosa goes after the dive, the running back, then he's going to roll out. And then apparently they had another option for a pitch uh, to the tight end on the end there. But that middle of that field was wide open. 27 was supposed to be on him, and he was in deep coverage. Um, I looked at the quarterback school breakdown of this particular play, and it was fascinating how they had it all set up. Um, Honestly, guys, watching the game is one experience, but kind of watching the all-22 which is the the view from you know up in the air, up in the top of the stadium, where you can see all the players and and have like all the routes and stuff, and to really just look at how these concepts create gaps in, in, uh, in on the field and how they draw defenses around. Um, it's absolutely fascinating that they have literally six people doing something just to get one person open. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy, and it's a lot of fun to watch.
0: Yeah, um, I agree. I watched some of the that all twenty two as well, and it is uh, it is like it gives you definitely gives you a whole other aspect of the game. But um, you know, yeah, I thought San Francisco came out um, in the first half and, and looked like they were trying to. I mean, it, it just even. I don't know. Like the Kansas City defense I felt like was just kind of like feeling them out a bit and that the 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 touchdown I mean they didn't even get in the red zone I don't think until the 3rd quarter maybe the 4th quarter even um but they did have the one where they were on the 21 yard line I believe and and through uh Joan Jennings through the uh the reverse pass to uh Christian McCaffrey for the 21 yard touchdown. And didn't that seem, I forget, was it Sneed or who was it that me and you both, you commented on it, but I had seen it too. And it was like when that ball seemed like it was in the air forever going from Jawan Jennings, going to his left with the, with a reverse pass and then throwing the ball back across the field forward to Christian McCaffrey and just seemed like there was a lot of people.
1: it was an optical illusion almost. Right. Because there were there was another 49er standing where like right in front of where Christian McCaffrey was set up. And there was two defenders on either side of that. And the and the angle from which he threw it and the camera angle it almost looked in line. So you had no depth perception. To me, I had no idea where it was going or whether it was a bad throw or a good throw. Uh, when you kind of look at it at a different angle is actually a very good throw back to Christian McCaffrey who made a like a great catch, jumping up to grab it I can only assume he jumped because he wanted to get to it because he saw an open lane and uh, I think it was Bolden Nick Bolden was on the back side I didn't understand why he he took so much depth on the back side of Um, where Christian McCaffrey was, but he essentially went around the pick man, if you will, to, to try to get it from the backside, but was way out of position. And then McCaffrey, all he had to do was uh, jump up, make that catch, hit the ground, run in, which he did. And he just blew by the other defender in, in, in his way, uh, virtually untouched for a touchdown. Um, that was an amazing play. McCaffrey had a really good day. Um, and if, and if they had one, he's probably your MVP. He had 80 yards uh, rushing on 22 carries. He had uh, another 80 yards uh, receiving and that touchdown we just, we just talked about. So he looked really good. He did have a fumble first thing in the game. Um, I remember watching that first drive from the 49ers and I was like, Oh, this isn't the the Chiefs' defense that I thought I was going to see today, because they were moving the ball pretty good, and then there was a peanut punch. And you know, McCaffrey's usually pretty safe carrying that ball. He doesn't fumble, doesn't turn over a whole bunch, uh, but he he lost it on the twenty on on the Chiefs' twenty seven yard line. Uh, that defense ended up holding up uh, at that time, and we were scoreless probably for the first you know first quarter of that game. So it was it was pretty pretty crazy.
0: Right, and then San Francisco drives down. They get the field goal, and immediately yep. Kansas City comes back down the the field, and they make the. Big yeah, run. they
1: looked good. They were grinding down that San Francisco defense. It was a twenty-six yard drive, and it looked like oh, they had that big uh, play to McCole um, Hardman. McCole Hardman. Nine. Now again, that's another play that that looked like it was a lame duck throw and underthrown and all that kind of other stuff. But again, when I was watching the the all 22 from a different angle, you can see that the safety dropping back 31 was completely lost and had his back turned um, to the play. Probably Kelsey was number one, but when uh, that was your first choice. But when uh, Mahomes rolled back out and saw that he, he was staring at 31's back, I think he just decided to take a shot out there. And God damn it, if he didn't whip it out there, he he was running to, he's a right-handed quarterback, as we know. So he's running to his left and then has to torque back and throw that thing like 40 or 50 yards. And it was virtually on a dime that the the replay, I was like, I, I thought this was a bad throw. This is an absolutely amazing throw on the dot. He put it right between the two defenders. They had no chance to get it. They were completely lost about what was happening they didn't expect it to go there it was a great play and then what one play later Pacheco fumbles the ball Actually, well the, so, and the,
0: the funny thing is about that the the play right before that long pass to Hardman they uh they run Rashi Rice on a a little end around and he fumbles the ball but he fumbles it uh and they end up uh Kansas City ends up recovering it for a first down it was third and one uh he ended up going for 3 yards and in, they knocked the ball loose but they were able to still Kansas City recovered it for the first down. So then the next play is the deep pass to to the 9-yard line to uh to McCole Hardman and then yeah, very next play Isaiah Pacheco gets uh gets lit up and and fumbles the ball and San Francisco recovers and basically you know then i guess what Kansas City's left with a, a field goal is all they end up they, they give up another touchdown to San Francisco later that uh, quarter and then are luckily able to tack on a field goal uh, before the before the half is over
1: so Kansas City literally fumbled the ball five times mm-hmm. so they have five recorded fumbles only one lost and that is the the, the Isaiah Pacheco fumble uh virtually on the goal line now we saw this run and he had been running hard north south. So when we say north south obviously we mean he's running, you know, towards the end zone not sideline to sideline which we would call east west. So most of the time he hits that hole north south and just uses his strength and size to get through okay. yeah. and uh and it just just a bad one of those things that you know you always have that that pucker, right? Like it's not
0: you know, we were they were saying in during the broadcast that no team had ever um, won the Super Bowl being shut out in the first half, which yes makes sense because I'm sure no there hasn't been a, a whole lot of teams shut out in the first half uh, in the history. But anyway, they they do tap me to the national championship game with you know Washington scores that late touchdown uh, to put themselves down by one score, but down by a touchdown going into halftime and getting the ball back after halftime. So now San Francisco, even though it's 10 to only 10 to three and both teams go out and throw an interception on the first drive of the game uh,
1: of the second. Well, I'll tell you what, was it Mike Lombardi who calls it the middle eight? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what happened here. So on the first half there, you know, obviously Casey gets that field goal. um, And then they come out and they throw an interception on their first, Possessions, So, you know, a lot of times, especially in those situations, we thought we weren't really scared of 10-3 because we knew Mahomes was going to have the ball uh, first drive at halftime. So we're like, all right, cool. We can close the gap. There's some momentum we can get here. Uh, me and you are just talking. now nah, everything's fine. It's all good. And then he throws that pick, and I think we kind of—that's when your aura seemed to shift a bit. Was, all was into gonna, that, all into that well, yellow and white. <laughs>
0: yeah, they they give the ball over in Kansas City. They give the ball back to San Francisco in their, you know, in in the KC territory, and at the forty-four. And I'm just like, well, they're at least getting a field goal out of this, right? And luckily,
1: yep, the City that's the thought. Yeah,
0: defense steps up holds them to negative one yards and they are hunting the ball,
1: which was great. So I would like to have a discussion about defense uh, comparisons, also quarterback comparisons. But before we do that, um, let's talk about the Travis Kelsey situation. And we talked about the Pacheco fumble. And on that play, Travis Kelsey was not in the game and would have been out there blocking um, on that left side, on that play, but they had a backup tight end in. So he um, pretty frustrated with him not being off the field during that play in that particular situation and um, let Andy Reed know about it. So they both talk about it at the end of the game, and there's some backup to it, uh, some some backup history here, or uh, background history rather. So what's your initial take when you saw it? It,
0: I mean, it almost made me laugh because it seemed like Andy Reid was just like, what, like startled and like almost fell down and uh, like I think you almost could see it in Travis Kelsey's eyes, like, oh shit, like I, yeah, I, I might have just fucked up. He, he
1: backed up when he got. I mean, he was still frustrated, yeah, and let reed know, but he backed up and like opened that personal space up Correct. a little bit again. Now. Andy Reed, after the fact had said, he caught me off guard. I didn't have my feet under me. Andy Reed's a former offensive lineman, I, I believe, or defensive lineman or whatever, and understands, you know, leverage and, and you know balance and foot placement and things like that. Just caught him off balance and they kind of had a giggle about it. Um ultimately, apparently, these two have an amazing relationship. Um, Andy Reed has been integral in Travis Kelsey's development. Um, he has the trust to be able to sit down and tell Travis when he's messing up, tells Travis when he's doing a great job. Travis has kind of looks at him as a father figure in a lot of ways. If he's having issues or needs some advice or things like that, he goes to him quite often. The relationship's amazing. So we do see this apparently in other games and other seasons this is not the first time this has happened um there are is occasion when Andy Reid will go over to him when he's sitting on the bench and like you know WTF man what are you doing and and kind of get in his ear a little bit so I don't think it's a big deal um they didn't seem to think it was a big deal um I think generally speaking the the aura about that particular situation in, in in the media is like eh whatever right all right it's definitely getting.
0: it's definitely getting blown up and um you know i see i've seen a lot of I, i i've seen a lot of people trying to be like oh if that was a black player they wouldn't have gotten away with that and things like that and i i think it's more of if a play you know i mean if a player's good they wouldn't have got they would have gotten away with it if a player's not on that level they're not getting away with that i think that's more of what first
1: of all it's a fact what you're saying right there good players get have more leeway there is no question they have more leeway with coaches they have more leeway with fans and travis kelsey what you would call he's probably the the the, next to mahomes the best player on that offense so you get a little bit more leeway i think as it relates to the team black or white it doesn't matter um it's all about relationship that the two parties have with each other uh in the media i do agree it's probably a different optical story if you know i had been a black pair black player and andy reed i I think people will dig into that a little bit too much and and stuff like that so um anyways not a big deal ended up not mattering they both had a good laugh about it in the post-game uh interviews anyway all right, yeah, let's definitely let's, I think they won the game, I think. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been something that they probably highlighted uh, if there was a loss. Yeah. Um, and speaking of winning and losing, a lot of that happens as a result of your quarterbacks. So our two quarterbacks in this game, uh, Brock Purdy for the San Francisco 49ers and, and the glorious Pat Mahomes uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. What's your take on the way they played and and how how would you compare them uh, in, in in this game? So their
0: stats were almost identical at halftime. Um They, I think they both were like.
1: 123 yards each. They each had
0: yards. And I think one was, I can't remember which was which, but one was 12 for 15. I think one was 13 for 16 or something like that.
1: I yeah, think, I think actually, that's Purdy Mahomes, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I think Purdy was 12 for 15. And he ended up though. He was, he, I thought they both played really well in the first half. They, I mean, it was definitely like a dumbed down. Like they were just kind of feeling out the other team. It felt like Purdy was able to get that, that seven point lead established. Um, But it was just all about adjustments because I believe Brock Purdy missed his first seven or eight passes of the second half. Uh, before really it did
1: not look good coming out of halftime that is for sure Yeah,
0: he turned it on there in the fourth quarter and overtime to uh, you know give give his team an opportunity to win and I mean really with if, if they don't miss that or if that extra point doesn't get blocked I mean San Francisco there's really no way they're not winning that game um, yeah
1: to your point in that at the uh, beginning of that second half um, there was the first three possessions were three and outs for San Francisco, all punts. Apparently the word on the street is, you know, Purdy's accuracy is good. He's got a good arm. Uh, he, he throws an accurate, good ball. Uh, the one thing that I guess apparently that you can do with him is you can get to knocking him down. He's a little bit shorter. Um, and that was, that was the get in his face, fill those gaps, knock down the ball um we saw uh, about four or five of his passes get knocked down um but other than that i felt he played really good uh ex- with the exception of that um beginning of that second half period that you had mentioned so yeah totally agree with you on that
0: yeah but then and then you know it's i think it was all about adjustments at at halftime right like um
1: Purdy Defensively from from the Chiefs,
0: yeah, and just like what what the offenses are able to do with what they're given, because you know Purdy goes on, he, what they both had 123 yards. Mahomes throws for 210 in the second half, and I guess Purdy throws for 130. So, I mean, that's I a-
1: think Spagnola. It is yes, and I think Spagnola had a lot of good things that he wanted to do in this particular game. McDuffie. Uh, the slot corner virtually locked down Debo all game. Pretty much took him away. Yeah, um, they did a great job on George Kittle. Ayuk and Jennings were kind of the ones. Ayuk only had three catches in this game, so um, they didn't really go to him too much either. It seemed like they really dominated the um, uh, the the, the Chiefs defense. Did a really good job of getting pressure into uh, Purdy's face and filling those gaps and getting their hands up that seemed to be yeah. uh, a really really big part of their success uh, on Sunday
0: absolutely yeah um,
1: all right you know, now let's let's it, yeah good
0: no good that was a good breakdown yeah and, and Ayuk, uh I was just going to mention that he it sounds like he uh, may be seeking a, a way out of San Francisco
1: Seems like a lot of he's, uh, got, he, he's but her right now. Let's let's give him let's give him some time. He's got a lot he's got his brother, you know, out there saying stuff. He's got his wife or his girlfriend sorry. out there saying stuff. Like everyone just calm down, it'll be fine. I, but Maybe you, he won't be there. Yeah. I mean, do you yeah, remember God.
0: when the Seahawks lost that that Super Bowl to the to the uh Patriots, man? Things things unravelled mighty quickly for for the uh for the for the, for the Seahawks after that. So
1: Well, they got one more year of the late Legion of Boom, and it all kind of broke up. Uh, And then we had a couple of seasons of declining Russell Wilson. So that was definitely a moment that will live in infamy uh, in Seattle fandom. Uh, But I don't know if this situation is that. Um, I think they played conservatively on offense. I didn't see them really trying to push the ball downfield. I think that was perhaps – um, Shanahan overthinking this and not really kind of being loose a little bit. There's that scene from the end of any given Sunday where Crozier and uh, D'Amato were talking and he's like, dude, we got to throw this pass. And um Crozier's like, if he gets hit out of bounds, then we lose the game. Right. And he's like, D'Amato's like, that's coaching Crozier. I mean, this is what you have to do sometimes. In those key moments, you might have to take a risk. You might have to trust your quarterback to do something. You might have to trust your um, your running back to do something. He did it at the end of the second half with that, uh, with that throwback. Um, that was a really big play where you're like, we're just balls to the wall right now. We're going to throw that. And you needed to see a little bit of that sprinkled in. In the second half, it seemed like he was calling plays not to lose the game versus win it i agree all right patrick mahomes or uh aka the great patrick mahomes or however you want to you want to enlighten him um 46 uh 34 for 46 46 passes in this game by mahomes 333 yards most of those in the second half uh two touchdowns uh one to mvs and the game winner in overtime to McCole Hartman. And that aforementioned uh, really terrible interception on the opening drive of the second half. Uh, Also added 66 yards rushing, led the, led the team. What's your take on him and his uh, you know, what we have to look forward to with him. So him and Tom
0: Brady are tied right now, right. With, the number of touchdowns or a number of super bowl victories through the first six. 7
1: years or something right right
0: but at the same time mahomes didn't play until his second year in the league so um you have to take that i think with into account but
1: well i mean i think um, also tom the- missed tom missed the whole first season pretty much as a backup that's, Ledson,
0: yeah, so. that's true but he did come in and play that get season there and and won that first super bowl um yep but he yeah, I think that yeah, Patrick Mullins has been now to one more Super Bowl than Tom Brady. I ironically lost that that one other Super Bowl he's been to that he didn't win. He lost to Who Tom, Tom Brady. <laughs> uh yeah, with the Tampa Bay uh Buccaneers. But you know, I think he's positioned well to to really thrive, man. I mean, th- this could be I mean it's the closest thing we have to Tom Brady now as far as winning and and that. That drive to to be great and to it just comes through. The guy makes plays, man.
1: I'll tell you what. I have Mahomes' legacy as my good in this uh this episode's version of herding goats, but I'm just gonna do it here and we can skip that section when we get to it. Mm-hmm. Or for me, at least the good. But um, it's unlikely that Patrick Mahomes is able to get three Super Bowl wins in his 40s like Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, could it be that Tom Brady? is to um, Russell as Patrick Mahomes is to Jordan. Maybe the at the end of the Super Bowl rings are not there, but just the product on the field is so goddamn amazing. Um, some of the throws that he makes, the accuracy, the ability to study the game, I think that ultimately there's two things that I think um, – Tom Brady was really, really good at. One was how intelligent he was around the game and being a steward and, and a study of said game and then also his accuracy. I mean, some of the throws, I mean it's undoubtedly he was a good quarterback. He had a good uh, he had a really good arm. he was really accurate. Uh, and he was probably the smartest person on the field at any given time. I think you see that same thing with Mahomes. I think he's probably due for another Super Bowl or two, depending on how, you know, the teams are built around him. I don't see him ever going to play for another team. I also don't see him playing into his mid 40s either. Um, But hey, you never know. You never know. The,
0: The other thing, though, about this is that Tom Brady went 10 years between from his third Super Bowl to his fourth. So we could have Tom, a- Tom
1: Tom Brady literally has three separate Super Bowl careers broken down into like 8 to 8 to 10 year segments three yeah. each one of those segments of Tom Brady Tom Brady 1 Tom Brady 2 Tom Brady 3 could all be in the Super Bowl separately or in the Hall of Fame separately in fact i think they should do that three separate uh what do they call those um the heads three separate for like different hairstyles, depending on where he was and that. What's that?
0: I see what you're saying. Yeah. I got you.
1: Yeah. Busts. I think they're called busts. He needs three separate busts with the different hairstyles, like the short hairstyle and the long hairstyle, and like the flowing one that he did later in his years. I just, it would be pretty funny, but, um, but I think obviously Patrick Mahomes, um, I think he's better than Elway ever was. And he was amazing. Um, you know, the ball doesn't fire out of Mahomes' hand like uh, Marino, but Marino essentially was a big-armed tree in a lot of ways, and, and that's certainly not Mahomes. Um, I
0: like that, though, that he's the Russell to Jordan. To yeah.
1: Jordan. All right, moving on to the defenses. I thought defensively both of these teams played amazingly. Um, team stats, let's take a quick look here. Um Total yards for San Francisco, uh, 382. uh, Or I guess they gave up uh, 455 to the Chiefs, and the Chiefs uh, gave up 382. Um, The turnovers were identical. Uh, The net was just two uh, turnovers per team. There didn't seem to be a lot of discrepancy. I guess the Chiefs had a pretty good third and fourth down conversion. They were Ten of 20. So 50% on third and fourth down conversions uh, versus uh, San Francisco being uh, four for 13 in in that same category. Uh, But on paper, and even the way we look, these teams played really tough on on, uh, defensively.
0: I I was impressed. And, you know, I think I mentioned to you over like the last few weeks, I don't know how much I really like emphasized it on the podcast, but I was really impressed by can I mean this is the first, this is definitely the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has ever had in full Kansas. stop yeah and they they really I think I mean there's there's very little doubt to the fact that they are the reason that Kansas City kind of stood up in the in the playoffs and and, and rem- reminded everybody who they are I guess
1: so they- yeah I kind of look at it. you remember the Warriors a couple of years ago uh, where they won a championship and it was like right after you know they had it was the whole uh Kevin Durant situation and he left the team the next couple of years they met you know one of the next couple uh, one of the years prior uh, post that they missed the playoffs altogether. Um, and then that particular like magic, I believe it was like a 22 season, maybe this magic season comes together with this core group and um, they just make magic happen. And it was really, really impactful uh, from Steph's perspective. Um, the first time that they they got it, you know, he didn't get MVP of the finals. A couple of years later, he loses uh, in a, you know, he was up three, one. Um, against the the Cavs and lost. And then, you know, no one thought that they had a chance after after Kevin Durant left. And sure enough, here they were. And he was just one of those moments where emotionally it was everything. It was like he had fought so hard that season. And it really felt like that's what was happening for uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They had a lot of adversity, especially on offense. Not a lot of people being able to catch the ball. Um, it took a minute for that defense to kind of really start gearing up, but when they hit the, um, you know, the the late part, the mid to late part of that season, man, where that defense was killing it. I think they were great in the playoffs. Um, and I don't think they, they only had like 10, 10 people score over 20 points or something like that, um, or over 10 points. I forgot the stat, but I mean they were holding, you know, off uh, opposing offenses to like, you know, I think they were like 5th in DVOA this year, but um they're definitely raised their game uh in the playoffs. Yeah. Chris
0: Jones, man, I'm that guy is something else.
1: So he made a key play um when the 49ers were down in the red zone and uh where he kind of stunted and I guess the guard had missed a particular guard had missed a uh, missed a block or something like that, and he got free and got in uh, Purdy's face. He ended up kind of throwing the ball out of, out of bounds, and um, forced you know a field goal um, att- attempt there. Um, they were just like like we mentioned earlier; they were just in the gaps all day. Their hands were up. They were competing constantly. They were punching balls out. Um, their secondary were always in the right position. It was insane how good they played. Um Sneed and Um McDuffie, your boy at a at a uh University of Washington, DBU, the new DBU. DB. Um I, I thought, you know, they had some injuries like in the middle of the field. Um and on their they had a guy who uh for his ACL in the in the championship game and uh and they had had to bring Carl Loftus in, um, who, who was kind of a backup position. He was doing what he had to do to, I mean, they were just, one. Uh, if a man goes down, the next man steps up, and, and there didn't seem to be much of a loss in, in any of these scenarios. And um, they, were, they had a couple of drives, um, San Francisco against this Chiefs defense, but when they needed stops, they got stops. And
0: the Chiefs they, holding the Chiefs holding um, George Kittle to I think two catches for four yards. That's enormous because that's yeah. usually he's usually the guy, especially in the second half. The spark that gets loops and like gets he's something. the spark. Yep. And then, yeah, I mean on the San Francisco side. I mean. That Drake Greenlaw injury, my God, man. How da- I, I, I'm not a San Francisco fan by any stretch of the imagination, but God, what a tragic s- turn of events for him. So
1: I tried to make my hurting goats this week all related to Super Bowl stuff. So that's my bad, actually. It's Drake Greenlaw snapping his Achilles running onto the field. So there was – i was it the fumble recovery or – no, they downed it on like the one-yard line or something like that. And he was – he was, jou- he was jumping up and down like, hey, great play, guys. And then he takes this big step back um, to, like, sprint out in the field and his Achilles snaps right there. Non-contact injury, just getting onto the field. Um, Greenlaw, if you guys don't know, watch this film. He is a rocket out there at, at linebacker. Um, that touchdown pass um, to end the game, he would have been – uh, the guy on the outside, right there. Um, uh, even on the touchdown pass to MVS, um, they threw it over the top of the replacement uh, outside linebacker that Greenlaw would have been there, and his ability to get into coverage and get deep on some of those types of plays made a may have you know changed that equation as well. So, uh, um, big loss for them, and and I hope he gets I back. Think he, I think he was
0: the main guy covering. Travis Kelsey in the first half as well and I believe Travis Kelsey only had two catches for 14 yards in the first half of the game something and like t- that it ended up with nine and and 96 so I mean he definitely got loose there in the second half after Drake
1: Greenlaw went down and let's not let's talk about how influential he was on that on that defense sideline like when they were down like 28, whatever it was, and that defense was not performing very well against Detroit, he pulled that entire defensive unit aside and got in their ear about like, what are we doing here, guys? We're, we're passionless. We're not doing what we need to do. We're better than, you know, get these, got, got the guys rallied and they turned out in ex- like a second half that was just unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, Detroit couldn't do anything on that field after those guys decided to kind of, like, get everything straight. Um, and it's a huge loss for them, huge loss for San Francisco in that regard. And um, who knows how this game would have ended uh, if he was still in that game. Absolutely. That's... All right. Anything else you'd like to unpack about this game? I mean, we had it at your house. We had yeah. a bunch of people over. I uh, had some drinks, had some pizza and, and all sorts of different snacks and stuff. Uh,
0: so I didn't drink the first half of the game. And then me and Mike decided to open a bottle of Maker's Mark that he
1: was nice enough to bring to the house. And I'm pretty sure we finished that off. A bottle of Maker's Mark that I almost was not allowed to leave the store with. Yeah. <laughs> so when, when I went to go get it, I go to this local Safeway and I've, I've purchased alcohol there before and never... Ever in the two years that I've been living here, have they ever taken that bottle of liquor to um like the checkout stand and wait for me to show up? I've seen this in other areas, but never here. And I felt like I walked in, I was getting profiled a little bit. I had, you know, a dark sweatshirt on, had my hood up, and I was kind of like just going in there and just grabbing stuff, and I wasn't really. Trying to present myself as being non-threatening or anything, and just I don't know. I'm probably talking out of my ass on this, but I was the only one that she had asked to do that for. And I went ahead, I finished my shopping, I came back up. She wasn't at the desk, so I just walked up, opened the little the cabinet, took it out, and got got it paid for. But man, it was a it was a lot of work to get you that. Uh, That's
0: oh, Well, I decided I'm not drinking for a while anymore after
1: that night, so I appreciate that. <laughs> um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was fun though. We had uh, Primo right. came up here from uh, your our buddy Primo came up here from um, Portland um i walked in i said this is our holiday uh to him because it's pretty much the only time i get to see him is during super bowl right. so he was up here It was fun oh, to have yeah. him up and, and last year we spent it in my hospital room uh with the two of you guys
0: so that was uh felt like it was a little better better atmosphere this year than than it
1: was last so yeah and it gave us i mean that second half man it was action-packed the so only the second o- overtime you know, game in the history of the Super Bowl, well, uh, both, both lost Bobby by Kyle <laughs> <and> both. <laughs> Kenneth Palchano was on the losing side of both of those. So, yeah, um, yeah fun times. Uh, I think it, it was, was a great. good, a good uh, ending to a really long and weird season. I agree.
0: Yeah, and you know, the the fact that Patrick Mahomes' two touchdown passes in this Super Bowl came to. Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, and McCole Hardman are just insane. And then oh, – All the
1: drops by MVS or not being able to, like, right. get his hands up or track the ball. That was a huge problem all year. McCole Hardman came from the Jets. He was originally with the Jets. They signed him off waivers uh, about midseason. And last – and in the championship game, he fumbles the ball on the goal line for a touchback to um, – to the Ravens. Right. So a lot of these guys who are making mistakes all year just decided to kind of get their head uh, together and made huge plays in this game.
0: They absolutely did. And I was, we were all trying to figure out, you know, along with um, San Francisco players, apparently trying to figure out how the overtime rules worked. And
1: it, Yeah, that, that was something, wasn't it? The internet told me one thing. Which yeah, is so basically Mike's like, they oh, they're going to play till the very end, and I so like, I, they play a 15 minute court, like they play a 15 minute, and whoever's uh, you know ahead at the right. end of that 15 minutes wins. And and I'm like, so, oh, okay. Yeah,
0: back to our degenerate corner type of situation. I actually did. I just went. I tried to go make a a same game parlay at the local casino on you know I wanted to do like 10 different prop bets. Well, apparently at this casino, what I I don't even know what sportsbook they use, but you can't make. You, you can't use more than one prop bet in a parlay. So I could go like, can't, no, I, you, you can't even use a prop bet. Sorry. You, they won't even let you use a prop bet in a parlay. So I tried making it, the bet like seven different ways. And finally I went up to the, instead the, of using the kiosk, go up to the window to talk to to a woman. And she's like, yeah, sorry, you can't do that. I'm like, okay, well, let me just bet the Kansas city money line and Kansas city over their team total, which was like 24 and a half or something so i would have won and they said can't do it that's still considered a prop bet cause it's just kansas city's over she's like why don't you just do the over for the whole game 47 and a half like sure fine Let, let's just go i'm sick of sitting here uh let's get the hell out of here so
1: oh yeah. right and <laughs> that look you know, that mike's look telling me it. the
0: whole time that well this uh it, uh it goes they go till the very end of the game so or till the end of the the quarter, so I'm thinking they're gonna kick a field. They score with three seconds. to go, yeah. And I know I need seven points here, so I'm like, I'm freaking out. And then I like, and I'm a little drunk at this point. I like, I'm like, look back at everybody in the house. I'm like, yes, they're gonna kick the extra point. They have to kick it off. And then the <laughs> next thing I know, I look back and everybody's celebrating on the field. And I'm like, what the? F- what happened? And I think so. I'm- your
1: aura went from like purple and blue. And with that joy of that extra point back to right. yellow and white with frustration. Yeah. Oh man, I'm sorry. That's yeah, quite your aura. I right. had quite a, quite a trip this, this Sunday. It's now right. the actual rules, game. the actual rules for the playoffs apparently are uh, both teams get a chance to possess the football, regardless of what the first team did previously. If the first team that possesses the ball, scores a touchdown game over. If they kick a field goal, then the second team gets an opportunity to possess the ball with this format. Both teams have an opportunity to possess the ball. And if they both score, let's say field goal or field goal or touchdown and touchdown, the th- there is a third possession. And then it essentially turns into a uh, sudden death.
0: I, you so, know, why not just make the rules for overtime, the rules for overtime. we just always have that. Why do we need to do dumb stuff? And if, I mean, if those guys weren't prepared, they should have been.
1: Honestly, I don't know how often it happens over time games, but there might be some, you know, and I'm just kind of spitballing here trying to answer your question um, in a way that makes sense in my mind. And maybe there's some players association stuff. The more if they force them to essentially play, an, an entire other quarter. Are there some implications in injuries and, and, and stuff like that? But yeah, I mean, if you really want to find a winner, uh, this seems like a pretty decent way to do that. Uh, doesn't actually mean that there can't be a second overtime and, or, you know, eventually a tie because it's happened before. Um, but, you know, this seems like if you really want to, so they figured out like it was 61% of the teams that got the first, uh, uh, won the t- coin toss, won the game in the old sudden, sudden sudden death rule. So they they wanted to flip that up, and this current um route, it's like fifty one to fifty percent win rate, depending on whether you have we receive the kick the first or whether you get the coin toss or not. So whether you're the first time or the, the first team or the second team, um, and there's several advantages to doing either way. Um, Shanahan's, uh, idea was if we score and then they score, I possessed it on the first sudden death overtime possession, that third possession, that key possession in that regard. Uh, so that was his strategy. I think, you know, it's a decent strategy. Um, the other strategy is, oh, that and his defense or the, the chief's defense was super tired you know, going into the end of that game, they were worn down. They looked a little, they were dragging a bit. So there's some gamesmanship there too. Um, The other, you know, taking the ball second gives you a couple of opportunities. You know what the other team did. So in this case, San Francisco gets a field goal, right? So now um, Kansas City goes, I just got to get a touchdown. And they have the confidence to play with some fourth downs. Which um, the 49ers, they were in a fourth and fourth situation on the uh, in the red zone, and decided to kick that field goal because of the risk of not getting that, you know, getting points on the board, right? So they had they had to do some math in their head that KC had uh, freedom to to play with a little bit more, and there was a key fourth down uh, a run. Mahomes has to Rasheed Rice right uh, just a, a key fourth down play in that overtime to keep the, the drive alive so right. um, I mean,
0: was a fourth and one yeah the Mahomes run around the a little uh, design run was great too he, he got like 15 or 16 yeah
1: runs. yeah just there's just a couple of things there I mean it could have gone either way in those and you know it just depends on what school of thought you're from in that regard but yeah. either way man Fun game, fun times. I had a good. I had a good day. Um, some good stories about from that day at the store and and uh, all the fun stuff we did. Yeah, no. While I still, we were there,
0: I still have a refrigerator full of food, man. We didn't eat enough food, but
1: anyway, I might come over and snag some. Who knows? <laughs> <Me too. laughs> all right, man. Let's let's take a bit look forward. Let's look forward at the off season. Um, what are you looking most forward to during this offseason? Is it the draft? is it you know OTAs? is it you know any you know free agency like what what are what are you looking forward to? You
0: no know, I know I always I, if you, you guys don't know this in the off season I like pester Mike with talking about mock drafts that I I mean I' peppered not pester
1: pepper me with them <laughs> What do you think about this guy? what do you think about this
0: guy? all i do like today i was like, i saw somebody had the seahawks uh that saw brock bowers falling to the seahawks whoever uh the guy yeah. from one of the espn analysts i mean at 16 i would take him i don't know i'm not saying yeah at, him six, at
1: 16 i would for sure i wouldn't
0: take him top five but i think did you
1: see that picture of him next to gronk though i was like this dude looked big on college but then next to gronk he looks like a right like an average dude i
0: want to know like gronk didn't look like that when he was coming out of college either though probably i mean he didn't look that he's not as big as he is now when he was coming out of college right he was as tall
1: wasn't he he was like six five
0: yeah yeah so was i think he just looked scrawny compared to him it wasn't like necessarily he looked he
1: looked he looked he looked like a four inches shorter too i don't know i don't know
0: Maybe I didn't look at the picture very closely. But yeah, could no. have,
1: it could have been the angles, man. It could have been the angles. At
0: 16, though, I would take him at 16. I mean, he, he seems like a pretty good athlete. But either way, um, yeah, I'm just, yeah. Well, I'm, I think
1: I'm it's excited. totally reasonable for me to be over at your house on that Thursday on draft day for that first round. I don't know about the other rounds, but yeah. I think I could probably get over there um, in April on that Thursday. Uh, to, to check out the draft with yeah, you. I'm excited. So that'll be fun. That's
0: definitely my number one every off season. And then then after that, it's it's the OTAs and, and hearing about what's going on and then obviously training camp. And, you know, by like right now, I'm 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 pretty happy that football is is done for a minute. But I I wish it wasn't such a long, you know, whatever, four months, five months before we really are back into it again um or what
1: i'm happy for the break to be honest with you like to i i have some um some some continuing education stuff that i'd like to do you know for my career believe it or not this i'm not getting paid for any of this stuff talking to you and and to these folks out out there so i do have to um i do have to do an actual job if Um, any of the five of
0: you that listen to this podcast (laughs) sponsor us hit us up
1: yeah, right. What, line,
0: line, um, to gain, line to gain show dot org, I
1: don't know dot com. <laughs> something.
0: <laughs> dot com. We're not at
1: org, bro. All right. In the description. All right, look at. I guess we're, we're we'll wait for the draft. I look forward to your. Um, well, what's your your, your, what's your, ran, your, your random? Uh, I think it's the draft, um, and I'm also looking forward to like who's going where, um, and like what type of. Yeah, so, for example, that Raider that kind of went, I'm going to use this, it's not the proper term, but went nuts, Chandler Jones, uh, this year, he kind of released something on Twitter, basically, like, hey, I was going through some personal stuff, I apologize, you know, uh, for some of the things that I said, I have you know, thank you to all the people in my life that were able to kind of get me through this stuff. And I I thought it was actually a really cool thing. And, you know, there's a lot of players like that, not necessarily in his situation, but these really talented guys that um, are, I think, are going to be available uh, to some of these teams. And it's really interesting to see where they, where they end up, you know, that's, that's kind of fun. And what, and what different how that changes the trajectory of a particular team because every year there's a couple of guys that get into on a team. And then it's just like the whole momentum of that particular team shifts. You also see like, you know, teams hemorrhaging players for one reason or another, and then not being able to perform the following year. And you're just like, wow, whatever happened to that Baltimore Ravens team, man, they were good. Now they like, you never know. Uh, How this thing plays out So uh, that that is Going to be an interesting part of uh, the offseason As well for me absolutely All right your Question of the week you wanted me to Rate um, Ursher's halftime show (laughs) (laughs) So this is The way I'm going to put it all right Me and you disagree on the placement Of these top two Uh, I have katy perry one prince two Um, Then madonna Dre, Usher at five. Okay. And then after that, I have Michael Jackson, Choose or Lose with the Jessica Simpson, Janet Jackson, P. Diddy, Nelly, uh, that controversial one. Good show, you know, know, (laughs) outside of that. I got eight Bruno Mars, uh, the one he did with uh, the Chili Peppers, Lady Gaga at nine. And then the 40th anniversary of Motown uh, at at the 10th spot for me. Uh, where did you have him ranked? I, I haven't been have in, have in top five.
0: I love your thoroughness. I only went top five. So I had, obviously, Prince one, uh, Dre two, Michael Jackson three, I think Usher four. No, I just sorry, Justin Timberlake four, Usher five.
1: Oh, boy. That was mine. So. Yeah, I mean I didn't I didn't go through and rewatch them all because I think that broke broke me the last time when we did our uh, halftime show uh, episode. But um yeah, I think that's a pretty good list. All, all right, right, man, that brings us watch? to Tate Corner, I think, right? Yep. What do you got? All right, first one. Um multiple NFL teams have complained, quote unquote, about the compensatory picks, uh draft picks that the 49ers have received. As a result of their development of minority coaches and other teams hiring them. So these examples are Robert Sulla is now the head coach of uh, the New York Jets, Martin Mayhew, GM executive of the Washington Commanders, Mike McDaniel, head coach of the Miami Dolphins.
0: Where is
1: he? He's a minority. Yeah.
0: From where? what is like what what minorities
1: are we counting as minorities uh he just self identifies uh as a minority and people okay. you know what are you going to do man i don't know right, do do you need like some sort of no, proof no,
0: it's fine. i mean no no i don't need proof
1: mike mcdaniel uh if you can hear the words of uh coming out of my mouth can you please give jeremy oh, your right. uh your dna report so he can feel comfortable with it. Sorry, man. I'm All sorry. I right. I thought Ron- I was like
0: a white kid from like the Midwest or something, man. I had no idea.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Ron Carthon, uh GM executive for the Tennessee Titans. Um, DeMar- uh D'Amico Ryan's name. I like to call him Demarcus or Demarco. Uh Demico Ryan's uh head coach uh for the Houston uh Texans. So a lot of owners don't like the fact that the 49ers are getting a ton of picks for all the hard work that they've done to be an amazing pipeline for minority coaches and executives. So it's
0: it's just if an executive or a coach gets hired, a minority executive or coach from your team gets hired, not if you hire a minority
1: coach. Correct. So if you develop somebody within your uh, organization that goes out and gets a position um, on another team that considers you a pipeline, um, a, a, a place where, you know, these positions are developed and you get credit for that as a team. Apparently, um, well, I like the I policy wondered, I, I'm, and I'm, those other racist owners can suck a D I'm, because not. this is how this th- how, this is how we change things. Right. We develop yeah. people.
0: No, I and, like it. I like it. Um, but I wonder. I'm, I'm just thinking out loud. I wonder if the Raiders and the Patriots get will get comp- compensatory draft picks next year for hiring from within their own organizations.
1: Uh, Coach, I wonder if the Patriots lose picks because all they do is kick out dumbass white dudes who can't do anything outside of the Patriots. They should. They should just lose picks, right? I would rather see that. Yeah. All right. Any 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 comments, concerns, follow up uh, to that to that take?
0: Yeah, I li- I like it. I'm glad that they're doing that. And uh yeah, fuck those racist coaches or owners.
1: Yep. There you go. All right. Uh did you have one that you wanted to yeah, fire yeah, off?
0: So my only one, I saw an interesting stat um about the so back when Tyreek Hill was traded away from Kansas City, Myself and a lot of people were just like, Well, I guess Kansas City's dynasty is over. You know, their their run is over here. I mean, they couldn't really call it a dynasty at that point. Um, Kansas they started, City? yeah, because they had okay. been to two Super Bowls, I think at that point, uh, I won one and lost one. Uh, so he's traded for Tyreek Hill gets traded from the Chiefs to the Dolphins. Uh, and I, yeah, everybody thought it was the beginning of the end for the Chiefs. Um, they are now seven and oh. With two Super Bowl trophies, and still have a fifth round draft pick coming their way this year, the picks that they've already acquired from having traded Tyree Kill to the Dolphins uh, were used to draft Trent McDuffie, Rashi Rice, and Sky Moore, among others, and opened a ton of draft of of cap flexibility to be able to you know, to bring back Chris Jones for this last year and may now have an opportunity to, to sign him to a long-term deal. So I just think that that, I mean, I think the thing is, is that you can't, would they still be the same team with Tyree Kill without Trent McDuffie and these other defensive, there's a couple other defensive players I didn't get in there, but that, that they use those draft picks on. But what where, what is your take on on paying um an expensive kind of top of the market wide receiver versus trading that player for a a range of draft picks that you can go out and try to rebuild your team a bit?
1: I would say generally I'm more substance than I am flash, um, and as is, is amazing and as fun to watch as Tyreek Hill is. I think the um, you have to look at comparison to other things. He, he definitely is a field tilter. He tilts the defense on the other side. It's, there's no question. He has great hands, runs great routes, uh, is faster than anyone else on the field at any given time. And those are all attributes that where he deserves to be paid appropriately as probably a top three receiver in the league. Um, I would put him next to, um, Adams and Justin Jefferson as well. Maybe a little chase, um, Jamar chase fourth in that list there, but you put those guys, those guys should get paid. No question. But to answer your direct question, I think I'd rather have the picks gives me more bites at the apple allows me to mitigate risk a little bit. Um, if you think that your team is good enough to, um, make up for the production in other ways, Uh, maybe a a a a good number two so a a lesser number one and an elevated number two and an elevated you know number three at the receiver position uh maybe finding those points in other ways with a better backfield i mean kansas city has you know pacheco's great kansas city has a has an opportunity to upgrade our running back you know if they really want to spend money too like derrick henry's a free agent. I think Saquon Barkley is a free agent. There's some opportunity there to elevate and find scoring and possessions and all that other stuff with other players. And the fact that they were able, they got the one of the youngest defenses in the league, that they were able to take that draft class in one season, have have Chris Jones, who's an amazing defensive player, and put those guys into a room and get what they got out of them. I think I would take that, A hundred times out of a hundred.
0: I agree. I agree. All right. What's your, uh, do you have another take?
1: Yeah, I have a couple more takes. I did a little bit more take work because we only had one game to look at. So there's a bunch of stuff in the two weeks that came up that I kind of flagged that I wanted to talk about. One of the ones that kind of caught my eye is Calvin Johnson States. He smoked marijuana before games to deal with the pain of football and quote, there were some games in my career, um, where I was like, I don't know if I can make it today. I was barely hanging on. End quote. And we've talked about this in the past at how, you know, smoking marijuana because it was, you know, still an illegal narcotic, uh, nationally, um, and the the NFL was testing for it, and players like um. Josh Gordon were constantly being, you know, losing time, uh, for, for smoking it and things like that. And how wonderful it had been for pain management and with very little physical side effects. Um, a lot of the anti-inflammatories that these guys were, um, had to take were, are due to a lot of damage on your kidneys. Um, and they're, they're sore. Every day after after games, every day after practice, these guys need to have a way to be able to manage pain. Um, on one hand, I'm glad that the NFL has come around on this idea. Uh, I think it's safer for players. Um, I think it's ultimately going to be cheaper <laughs> for everyone just to, uh, you know, have marijuana around versus having really expensive, you know, anti-inflammatories and, and opioids and things like that to manage pain. Um, and for the players themselves, it sucks that these guys really get pummeled into the ground on a daily basis. And they feel like this. I imagine emotionally, this is really hard to deal with when you, I wake up in the morning after working out for three straight days and my shoulders are a little sore and my knees are a little sore and I'm just like, i gotta take a day off, man. I can't do this. I couldn't imagine this being your livelihood and knowing that it's only a very short part of your life and it has such an impact on, on the quality of your life after the fact. Um, so it was kind of sad to to hear that he had to go through this for his 10 year playing career. um but I'm also glad that the NFL is recognizing that it's a really key piece of the pain management for the players.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. Too. <laughs> it's it's about goddamn time.
1: Indeed, indeed. It also kind of helps with people allows them to focus, little mental health stuff there too. So there's some some benefits that have come out there. All right, did you have any more take corner items? I no, got one more. That was it for me. All right, I don't know if you've heard about this. Mike Rabel, Rabel uh, by many, has been considered one of the best coaches in the NFL, and he is currently not employed by an NFL team, which is odd to me. Well, apparently, the NFL owners are totally intimidated by Rabel's sheer size and stature. This came from I read, a, I read this. You read this? Yeah. I thought it was absolutely outrageous um this story so i'm gonna pull up my bookmarks here i think i have for quote in this all right quote i don't think there was a fit for him i don't think he sat in front of any owner who thought that his style was going to work for what they were looking for i had a gm at the senior bowl who mentioned to me rabel's physical build that he's a very large human being and can be very intimidating to people in an organization that are going to be part of these decisions. And that's a factor. End quote. I thought this was absolutely outrageous. This makes no sense to me. These owners are so insecure. I I just don't understand it. They they peacock all over the field in their in their stadiums, in, in their helicopters, about yeah. How amazing and smart they are, but they cannot get their head out of their ass long enough to hire a coach that has been proven in this league because he's a widow too big. Yeah, I don't understand it, man. I will. I will never understand these these old ass rich idiots. I don't get it.
0: I don't either, man. That I did see that and just laugh because I was thinking, and all I could think of was David Tepper throwing his drink at the the fans down uh, in front of him for for uh, criticizing him uh, at the Jaguars game, and then.
1: Uh, Do you think, for example, David Tepper is a good example? I think this dude is an absolute pos. Right, I think he has a problem dealing with people. He has a problem. When people tell him that this is the way that it should be and it's contradictory to what he thinks. Could you imagine him walking into Rabel's office, all like 200 and whatever pounds of him and and all six foot five of him or whatever he is, and just going, Rabel, I told you to do this. and And Rabel's like, excuse me? I do you think that's an actual factor here? It's it's mind-boggling to me that we can't have a conversation in a business with another person who is physically larger than you without it having to without feeling intimidated. It's it's as if being nice and having facts and having a discussion is not on the table because the only way that this even should matter Is if you're if you intend at some point to go into that office and scream at them, right?
0: Yeah, it's it's nuts, man. Like it,
1: yeah, doesn't bode well.
0: No, not at all. Not at all.
1: All right, man.
0: I I couldn't imagine like being a Washington Commanders fan and picking between Dan Quinn and Mike Vrabel, and you came out with Dan Quinn. when you thought you were getting Ben Johnson or Mike McDonald ahead of that, you know what I mean? And then you end up with Dan Quinn. That's got to be a pretty, pretty big letdown. Not that any of us know that Mike McDonald's going to be a good head coach or any of these other, like Raheem Morris is going to do well, or any of these guys. So, um, you know, it's, it'll
1: has a track record, man. He's done it before. He's one coach of the year and he has not lost his fastball. He has had teams that were dismantled around him. He took teams and, and he took multiple he took
0: multiple teams with Ryan Tannehill as their quarterback to the playoffs. And went oh, on a There you go. Runs. You said it. <laughs> you,
1: said it. you said it. You said that all of it needs to be said. <laughs> <laughs> so all ridiculous. Right. All, right. all right. Moving on. Diversity section. Um I saw this really amazing pie chart. And I don't know why it hit me. It was basically uh, the International Monetary Fund (IMF). They charted the global GDP, which is at 105 trillion. Um, and I, I, I found it interesting to kind of break some things down. Uh, world economy has increased overall by 5.3%. I suppose that's a good thing. Um, inflation's right around two percent um usa still has the largest economy despite what what people might be saying about china um we're at 26.9 trillion china's second at 19.4 um this is interesting russia's gdp dropped 150 billion dollars in 2023 um that drop is more than ukraine's total output for the same period of time 149 billion so that's wow. ironic i think uh indiana de- or indiana India uh, dethrones the UK as the fifth largest economy in the world. That's quite interesting, um, $3.7 uh, trillion. China's GDP is expected to grow at uh, about 7.1%. Um, this is a rate that's uh, faster than the US is at uh, 5.5. So although we might be the best, the greatest, largest economy rather in the world right now, um, that could that gap could close um, over the next few years. So interesting stuff coming from the IMF yeah. and our global economy situation. Any 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 comments or thoughts about uh, where we are overall in the world, Jeremy? Yeah, I mean it's I now not really. I mean I, I, <laughs> it's uh, that's an interesting. There's some interesting. It's kind of like oh that's interesting. Moving yeah. on. <laughs> I don't know, man. Well, you might have you might have a bigger opinion about what my next uh, item is. So, ESPN, Disney, Fox, Disney, and Warner Brothers are combining their sports rights to launch a new sports streaming service. Uh, apparently, the service will be available uh, to existing ESPN Plus, uh, Hulu, and Max subscribers. So, what's your take about more consolidation in the sports um, entertainment business? Um, I, I did hear about this.
0: I'm interested to see where it leads, but it just feels like all of these, they see the cord cutters, these big companies, and they're like, well, what the fuck are we going to do? Because people are not going to keep paying for this um, outrage. I I remember when we were, when we were kids, Mike, it was, the whole thing was, um, you know, you're basically like, I think like $17. Seventeen dollars. I remember reading this big ESPN book, and like just about like from the beginning of ESPN all the way through like a really in depth uh, analysis of it all. And I think at one point they were like every cable like seventeen dollars of every cable bill was going strictly to ESPN. It was like the most coveted.
1: Yeah, their their bundle fees were huge, huge. Right.
0: So now it's like, I mean, I personally I don't want regular cable uh, i'm not going to pay for a bunch of shit i don't want to watch so i get that i mean that's a great great feature to not because i mean we've talked a little bit about our our android boxes that we have that we use that are essentially pirating pirating uh channels i don't know what you're talking about yeah never mind anyway i'll cut that out i'm gonna bleep that actually it'll sound way better um (laughs) anyway so i you know i'm fine with I'm totally fine with having, you know, like paying for a couple different subscriptions that are maybe only $35 or something. And just, you know, rocking with that and then trying to, you know, with the other stuff, I'm just, just skipping. There's just too much content out there right now anyway. And this would be the one, this would be one I would buy because I'm more like I would 90% of what I watch anyway is probably sports related in some way or just movies and if i have netflix for that or you know prime video for for the movies or um h or whatever the max app i can do that and then you have one or two of those and then have the espn sports bundle deal and go from there
1: so i like it i think i think ultimately it allows for several sports and several leagues and several teams uh obviously this does not uh count for kind of local local um games and stuff that those those are still local or uh, regional sports stations aren't gonna be part of this deal so um it'll be just the big stuff mostly um generally speaking I think it's okay just having one place to go to watch all of these things from Fox uh espn and uh i guess it's the tnt turner networks uh that warner brothers own so um we'll be able to see nba national games we'll be able to see college football games sure. college basketball games uh monday night football some sunday night football stuff or sunday football things
0: are you going to be uh, able to watch like the disney plot the disney shows as well and disney movies <laughs> or is it strictly sports
1: it's just sports Right. But if you have a Hulu, like you can have a Hulu bundle, for example, that has ESPN Plus and then ESPN and, and Disney Plus, and all of that will now include this, I believe. And here's what's going to: it's going to be inexpensive uh, in the beginning, and then they're just going to start cranking up that price. I expect after this thing launches within five years, they're going to add almost fifty percent of cost to it it's inevitable. That's the part of this that I, I worry about because at least now I can pick and choose whether I really give a shit about watching, uh you know, Monday night football, if it's a bad game, but if, if it, if it comes in this format and I have to have it, cause I really like watching NBA games or something like that. It, I just, yeah it's just another thing. I'm already in this spot where I need to like start consolidating. Um, Max is really not turning stuff out right now. Um, right. Disney is not really doing that either. Um, Hulu is okay, but like I rarely tune into that, and I just go, "What?" I mean, can I just? It's funny. I this you know, I, bundle.
0: I, I have someone's Hulu password. Like we I just did some password swapping with some friends, and uh, every time I do log into Hulu, it's always like I always find something like entertaining to watch. And I had no, idea like I. I didn't go in there like looking for something particularly uh, specific, but I end up finding something that really catches my attention, which is probably scary because that's the algorithms just manipulating the hell out of me. But what are you going to do?
1: Well, I'll just, I'll just say I'm a little, I'm, I'm optimistic. I think it's a good idea and I'll stay optimistic, but uh, there is part of me that thinks that this will ultimately be, some sort of shaft to the people that want it, and then ultimately me. And then I got to make a decision. Do I go just, you know what? I don't care about football anymore because of this deal and how expensive it is. And then right. I just watch YouTube's clips of the NFL uh, on Monday. <laughs> All right. Uh, did you have it? Did you mention you have any diversity yeah, things? I
0: watched, I did finish a couple days ago on uh, Netflix has been uh has had i know we we talked about they had a bunch of hbo programming on there well they had a showtime show on there as well or showtime miniseries i should say called super pumped uh, about the origins of uber and it's starring joseph gordon levitt playing uh, yes Collins, one of the films. i watched it yeah it was entertaining i mean it wasn't the greatest thing I've i've watched and it's still hard for like, he still looks like a a little kid from that third rock from the sun show or whatever to me. But, um, you know, yeah, he plays just like a completely kind of, he's a
1: massive douche
0: devoid
1: human being in this this show. I wonder if the Uber guy was also a massive douche. Uh, I imagine he's channeling him somehow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming he probably was, but, yeah i think
1: it got to the point when we're watching that that it it got really hard to watch joseph joseph gordon levitt because we like him as a person as an actor and all that kind of other stuff and to see him be that version it was very off-putting i think um i think we got about four episodes in and we're like wow this guy's he's really off-putting i don't know if we want to but we 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 sucked it up. We finished it out. It was okay. It was only, it was only okay.
0: seven episodes, too. So yeah, it was
1: it wasn't a huge, you huge draw. To,
0: you didn't have to deal with too much, and he kind of got his in the end anyway. But um, I think
1: we did. We did four or five episodes, and then like in a week, and then we took a break.
0: I, I, that's almost essentially what I did too. I yeah, I watched it a couple weeks ago. The first five, four or five, and then yeah, I watched the last two over the this weekend.
1: I'd say if you got, got some time and you want something that's binge-worthy, check it out. Yeah, well, it's was good call.
0: It was, it was interesting.
1: All right. My last uh, diversity uh, item here is the National Labor Relations Board has ruled that Dartmouth basketball players are considered employees of the school, okay. uh, which allows them to proceed with voting to form a union. Now, for those of you that don't know, the NCAA for the, almost the entire life of this organization has been trying to reiterate the fact that students are not employees of the university. They call them student athletes in almost every moment that they can as to avoid having to pay them money to essentially work for them and not have to cover their um, uh, health care. And all the other things that comes with um, having employees, uh, especially at this size and at this revenue level, there are some pretty huge implications and rights that these players, uh, quote unquote, student athletes should have if they are officially recognized as employees. I think potentially this has huge implications for the NCAA and college athletics in general, Um I love it. I feel like these colleges are just going to start these weird leagues outside of the NCAA. And it's right now it's the wild, wild West with payments and all this other stuff. I'm not sure. I feel like it should be regulated. Um, I think this only benefits players. And um, I think the schools in the NCAA complain about it because they're not able to control the money. You know, absolutely. back in the day, there was a, there was an NBA strike after, um, Kevin Garnett got like 125 28 million dollar contract. It scared people because a guy so young was making triple digit or you know triple triple digit million dollars and it's just like we got to put a cap on this. We got it. we're going to do it wasn't a strike it was a um lockout. Lockout, thank you. Um so I feel like at some point this is kind of the, the pressure that the institutions in the NCA are feeling is that we no longer have leverage anymore. And we're going to have to start making these concessions and we're going to have to start paying athletes and doing all the other things that we should have been doing a long time ago and taking care of the people that are providing this income to us. Um, Cause they're not really going to have a choice. So uh, it'd be, I'm really interested to see what happens with this and what happens with um, sports student athlete unions moving forward it's, it's so so cool that's awesome to
0: yeah that's gonna be great and I think that to your point I think the SEC and the Big Ten it sounds like are probably going to try to break away and maybe invite a few other teams from from some of the other divisions into a like a football power conference but I almost think that's what they're gonna have to start doing is that Maybe you know, the Huskies are in like a Pacific Coast League for basketball, but they're in this other thing for football where they have to go play the teams from the SEC and the, you know, the the Midwest from the Big Ten and and the the Southeastern Conference. So I don't know what the answer is because it's crazy to have,, um, you know, University of Washington gymnastics team traveling three times a year to the East Coast to go like and trying to do school and all this other shit. If you wanna like try to call them student athletes, um, you know, act like it, I guess. But yeah, it just it's it's it, something's gotta give. It's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out here over the next few years.
1: Yep. All well, right. Well so we'll see already, we'll uh, see how they vote. Yeah. So sorry. hurting hurt Sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Hurting hurting goats. Super Bowl version. All right i mentioned my good yeah i got my good and my bad out so what are what is your good this week okay my good i just kept
0: it kind of light um and they're both super bowl related too so uh the dunkin donuts commercial with ben affleck jennifer lopez matt damon tom brady and uh little cameo from jack harlow in there was fantastic
1: did you watch the extended version? I haven't the yet.
0: Clip? I, I had a bunch of running around to do today before we started recording, so I didn't have a chance to watch it, but I'm going to. I heard it was absolutely hysterical, though. And just like. Yeah, it's a crazy.
1: lot of Ben Affleck monologuing and like a really deep Boston accent. And it's so just funny. classic stuff. It's good.
0: I love it. I love it. So that, that's my good, just a real light one. Uh, the bad was Travis Kelsey losing his mind and almost. Uh, Giving Andy Reid a heart attack on
1: the sideline. So, uh, I will call this bad ish. Yeah. Yeah. Bad ish. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. So, those the are my optics didn't two. look good at the time. For yeah. Sure.
0: Exactly. And we kind of beat that one to death already. Um, but yeah. And then, uh, you want to do your ugly first and and I'll do my. Yeah. Uh,
1: my ugly is the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, losing the Super Bowl doesn't bode well for their chances of making the big game next next year in fact only six teams have been able to manage this over the court in the Super Bowl era so only teams that have lost the Super Bowl and the next year went to the Super Bowl were the 1970 Dallas Cowboys they they lost in 70 and then went won in 1971 uh Miami Dolphins lost in 71 and won in 72 The Minnesota Vikings lost in 73 and then lost again in 74, back-to-back losses. Uh, Denver in 86, they lost, and then they lost in 87 again. Uh, Buffalo, we all know, 1990, started a four uh, four Super Bowl losing streak in 90 through 93. And then finally, uh, the last team to do it. Uh, was the uh, New England, this 1917, or 1917, 2017 New England Patriots. Uh, they lost and in 2018 they won. So if I was a better right now, I would say it's unlikely that the San Francisco 49ers make it to the Super Bowl just based on, um, you know, the statistics alone.
0: Yeah. Good
1: riddance. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love it. No, they
1: might I, the place might be taken by the Rams.
0: I remember there were years when, uh, but there was like a good like long run of like ten years where the team, whoever lost the Super Bowl, didn't even make the playoffs the next year. So uh, I remember the Seahawks. I think the uh, that Seahawks team that lost to Pittsburgh in Super Bowl uh, what forty XL uh, they made it back to the playoffs the next year. And that was like the first time in seven or eight years that that had happened. So um, I I always just told people it was because we were actually supposed to win and the NFL robbed us with all those fake penalties and phantom penalty calls and things. Anyway, I digress. Uh, My ugly this week, Mike, and for, uh, for our last episode of the season here, people's obsession with Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey's relationship, Travis, there, are CIA plants. There are Pfizer spokespeople. Like, they're scary. Whatever. It's crazy. People come up with the weirdest shit. And I was just thinking back. Like, do you remember? Like, they don't even show her that much in a, in a, any of these games. And people obsess over it constantly. Um, I believe
1: she was on – she was on a five-hour um, show, I think 45 seconds on the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, not not including uh, the field time when she was down there, but just during game, 45 seconds-ish. And
0: I, re- I remember back in the early 2000s or you know, maybe early to mid-2000s when Jessica Simpson and Tony Romo were dating. And then I think Tony Romo also dated um, – another country female country star the one that sings the theme song carrie underwood the one that sings the theme song for the sunday night football nobody lost their mind when they were doing that i don't i don't know why I, and i remember it was I, I um that's
1: it that's a that's a bit um uh, recently by it's apparently it was a huge thing back in the day
0: was it because i don't remember
1: yeah
0: the deal maybe uh, maybe i was just younger and didn't care but um there you go it seems like people are definitely uh, way more tuned up over that. I'm just like, i think this particular, like, I,
1: don't give a- I think this i think this one has some political um, components to it um, taylor swift you know actively um, going against you know the republican party in general but trump specifically um, and some of their their policies coming out in, in, in the media and saying that, um, kind of put her in front street in that regard. Uh, Travis Kelsey, essentially, uh, doing ads or things that those same people, um, kind of have been like vaccines and how effective they are necessarily that they are, uh, for COVID or just things in general. Um, and that, you know, Putting yourself in a position to kind of sell this um, this uh, vaccine <laughs> is, uh, in their opinion, um, not the right thing to do. So I think there's some added political components to it. Um, I don't think anyone really likes that. I, I, I don't know anyone, but the NFL likes it. Let's put it that way. Their viewership is up. Um, 123 million people watched the Super Bowl. Now, how many channels, you know, they were watching that through, who knows, the final breakout there, you know, some people were probably watching it through Paramount, some people were watching it on a live stream, some people were watching it uh, through, you know, other, other ways, other means. And uh, so all of those things get counted now. Um, There was actually a, a pretty good good analogy i would say that bill simmons had brought up in his latest podcast where it's like if they introduce a five-point play to um to the to a basketball game and then you see a a percentage increase of scoring in the nba it's not because people are better shooters or anything necessarily it's probably because they introduced a five-point play that's how uh this would be as well because there are more ways to watch the content, more channels, more vehicles to which a person can watch a football game. Um, It's just easier. Uh, There's less boundaries. And as a result, more people are watching. Um, So I don't know. To your point, none of that stuff makes sense. Um, Who cares? Yeah. Um,
0: I I was also going to say that I did hear a stat that uh, more people watched... The Super Bowl this year than any other broadcast in history, other than the moon landing.
1: Yeah, I did see that as well. But again, how are they how are they proving those numbers? Like, where where is that coming from? I was too.
0: So yeah, I don't know.
1: So I think that's what we need to know. Like, how are they collecting that data? Is it even true? I mean, who knows? Right. My my my. The company I work for juices numbers all the time, so that they can increase their revenue. So, oh,
0: and what company? <laughs> I, is that? No,
1: Infosys. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck them.
0: Oh, what a way to end the season, Mike. I love it.
1: <laughs> really quick before we go, I usually have a quote of the week, but I'd like to ask you a question. My question of the week: What are your thoughts overall for the for this season? I want to ref- take a moment to reflect on what we've been through in these. Twenty weeks or whatever this journey that we've been down, with grinding through a lot of tape, you know, and 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 talking about a lot of games, and like, what are your thoughts in re- in retrospect?
0: I think it was a really, really a roller coaster season. I mean, you went from Philadelphia, I think being eight and oh or nine and O, and looking ten right and there.
1: one. All yeah, is when 10-0. they started that,
0: and then just completely lost all everything down the stretch, uh San Francisco going through, or, you know, they had a real up and down season uh before settling in there in the second half and really running off some games. I mean, Kansas city, obviously, like everybody was criticizing Patrick, that Patrick Mahomes has the same stat line as Russell Wilson and blah, blah, blah. And then they just, they came together, defense, stepped up, offense figured them some things out. Um,
1: a lot of swings. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A lot of swings this year. I think one of the, I think one of the keys is quarterback play, especially like elite quarterbacks are always, you know, we say, and how many quarterbacks do we see go down this year? That was a really crazy thing. That was
1: a huge thing, you know? for sure. You know, it's funny as we talk about momentum swings within a game, but do you know that like that video of the Oppenheimer and and they and they scan into his eye and it's just Oppenheimer again and they scan into that eye and it's Oppenheimer again and that that's almost how the football season is. You look at a, at a macro level and there's so many swings of momentum throughout the season right. and then and then you drag into a particular team and there's so many momentum swings as these defenses figure things out and the offenses start gelling and then you drill that into one game and it's the same thing huge momentum swings and you know i think uh we've seen that it was a, it that was more glaring this season than than i remember it being in in, in other seasons yeah
0: Okay. I really agree
1: with that. Yeah. I think that that's really what it
0: was like a lot, a lot of swings, ups and downs and, and kind of figuring
1: things out. Well, man, it's been a great journey season three. Uh, I think uh, Jeremy and I have already talked about some changes we'd like to make for um, the next season, maybe uh, shrink these episode timings down a little bit. Uh, so it's a little bit easier for the audience to, to stay awake um so we'll 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 be tweaking it a little bit and um as of right now we will be coming back with the season four uh and i hope uh you all can join and uh, take the journey with us next year
0: yep can't wait uh yeah until next season everybody thank you for listening please listen like rate review and share the podcast and we'll be back next year peace